Hi, and welcome back to C Myers Live. My name is Brian McHenry, and I'm a principal with C Myers Corporation. And I'm Rob Johnson. I'm also a principal here at C Myers. So one thing we've noticed in this fast-changing world is how the need to make quick and good decisions are really speeding up. And it feels like every day it's getting a little bit faster on how quick you need to think. Yeah, you've noticed that too, huh? <laughs> yeah, crazy. it's amazing. It's amazing how quick things are moving now. So as we go through today, we thought, let's just lay this out and maybe help with an approach on practicing quick thinking. So picture yourself in a meeting and you're talking about the potential impact of another round of stimulus. Many of you probably just went through this, so this will feel really relevant. And you had budgeted a growth of 6% for the year, but as you're thinking about the stimulus, the discussion turns to the potential of growing assets 10%. 15%, maybe even 20, depending on the size of, of the stimulus. So as you're going through this question, is you start thinking, what might happen to your capital ratio in these different scenarios? And of course, this starts to really impact your earnings potential too. So what we have found is that more leaders are able to quickly estimate the potential impact. It's helping them move the conversations to the various actions they could consider, and it's helping them do that faster. Yeah, there's so much benefit to in those meetings, just have it where very jumping ahead, seeing some of the impact. Okay, 20% might do this. All right, would I be comfortable with that? And so what we found is that's not necessarily just a natural skill for right. most people. It's not innate. You actually need to train your brain in order to be able to do reasonable estimates very quickly. And so as you go through this, it not only improves the efficiency of a conversation, but it can help people see different angles because you can provide some context and some information right in that moment. So what we want to do in this podcast is really we've designed this discussion to give you some practice so that next time you do need to think quickly and make an estimate or do a calculation whether it's for a report or in a meeting, you're able to do that or more able to do that without your brain going on the fritz. While these techniques can be applicable in many areas today, meaning there's a lot of different calculations and estimates that you could do in a lot of different areas, we're really going to narrow down to two examples at this moment. And so those two examples are the relationship between ROA growth and capital or net worth ratio, whichever you prefer and the ROA impact to shifting assets or changing your pricing. Yeah, and how it's gonna work, we're gonna have a little fun today, do a little bit different style uh, podcast conversation with you, giving you a chance to practice. We're going to give you some questions. The first one, what we'll do for each area is we'll give you a question and we'll give you the answer. But then what we're going to do is start listing off some different questions for you to answer. And we normally don't recommend that you pause our podcast. You know, there's a lot to keep flowing. I don't know about you, but I'm always listening to podcasts when I'm out on a walk, enjoying the beautiful weather. But this time we're gonna have an exception on that. We're gonna ask you a question and if you want, pause for a moment and work to answer that question. Ideally without any tools, you know, no, you don't need a model, you don't need a calculator. If you want a piece of paper first, go ahead. Grab a napkin next to you and use that. Track how long it takes you to answer the question. Maybe it took you 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Now that might not seem like long, but also put yourself in a situation where the board member asked you that question. If it took you 30 seconds or 45 seconds, would it start to feel longer? 
what we find is with practice that you're able to answer these in five seconds or less. Each of these questions that Brian and I are going to give you would take five seconds or less with practice. Mm -hmm. So we'll give you some example questions. Then as you get used to that idea, you're going to then work towards getting the answers yourself. And you're not going to hear us tell you the answers in this podcast. No, what we'll be doing is we'll actually be posting the answers on our website so that you can review them after you've listened through and tried to work through the problems on your own. And as a side note, if you're listening to the questions and you're like, I have no idea, I'm not even sure where to start. That's okay. That is absolutely okay. We have videos that focus specifically on these different concepts and what we call this is napkin math. And so when you go, you can go to our website and you can search for napkin math. And we have short videos that talk through how to do this napkin math, as we mentioned, in various situations. So let's dive in here. Yeah. And where we're going to go is we're going to start with that ROA net worth and growth napkin math. And that's really that first scenario that I laid out. So let's actually circle back to that scenario. You're in a conversation with a board member you're talking about stimulus and this board member thinks as a result of stimulus or they're looking out there like, I think I'm really certain that asset growth is actually going to be 10% over the next year, not the 6% we had actually budgeted. It's going to be 10%. And as you're talking about, of course, you start thinking about, well, what happens to our capital? What happens to our ROA? So in that conversation with the board member, they're saying, I don't want to give on our net worth. I mean, I'm thinking we're going to get 10%, but I don't want to give on our net worth. I really like the 10% net worth ratio that we have right now. Why do I like it? Because 10 is such a nice round number. Oh, it is a nice round number. You're right. It's, it's just great. Such an easy one. So you're thinking, all right, well, let's talk about that. What are the potential implications? Again, let's go back to if we're going to maintain a 10% net worth ratio and notice I'm going to pause there. I'm using capital and net worth interchangeably. So when I say that, I mean the same thing. It's just a habit of switching them interchangeably. So net worth, capital, same thing. So you know you want to maintain your 10% capital and you're going to grow assets 10%. What earnings do you need in order to accomplish that? Let's walk through how to answer this particular scenario. And really, in the end, what you do is you multiply the capital ratio times the asset growth percentage. So in this case, your 10% capital times your 10% asset growth. And what you find is when you do 10% times 10%, you get 1, 1% to be specific. So you need a 1% ROA in order to maintain your 10% net worth while growing assets 10%. Yeah, so now that you've heard that example, you heard how to answer it, let's change the numbers up and we're going to start working our way through some of these questions. Question one, you have 9% capital ratio and you're growing 5%. What ROA do you need to maintain your current capital ratio? Nice. So that's one scenario. Let's build on that. Let's go. You have even more net worth and even bigger asset growth. So now your net worth ratio is 11% and you're looking at asset growth of 8%. Same idea. What ROA would you need in order to maintain that 11% net worth ratio? All right. Perfect. So we have our first two. 
Now let's get into this third one, but let's start shifting it a little bit because what you'll start noticing about this concept is you can view it from different angles. So on this one, what we're going to do is you have an 8% capital ratio and you're earning about 80 basis points ROA. How fast can you grow and maintain your capital ratio? Ooh, all right, switching it up a little bit. I think they so can let, do it. I think so. Let's take that and let's keep going here now. All right, so let's build on that. And now, taking your concept, Rob, let's actually give all three variables. So in this case, you know you have 10% net worth ratio. You know your assets are going to grow 7% over the next year. And you're looking at a 50 basis points ROA over that time period. Mm -hmm. So with this concept now, figure out what would your net worth ratio be one year from now? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So that helps you on question four to kind of pull those pieces together. Number five, we're gonna jump it up a little bit more because so far each of these have been one year. But on this one, we're going to have a multi-year impact. You're at a 10% capital ratio. You're having strategic plans to grow 10% a year over the next three years. But during that time, you want to increase your capital ratio to be 11%. So you have three years to get to that 11% capital ratio. What would you need to earn on average each of the next three years to essentially hit that 11% capital? And again, we'll remind you when you're doing this math, keep it high level, keep it a rough estimate, so you can quickly say, oh, it would be about this. So we'll see how those answers turn out. And that is on the ROA capital or net worth and the growth impact. And so you can take those pieces as we were talking about and answer those questions, see it from different angles. But let's jump them to also, hmm, one of the things that a lot of people are talking about these days is what? Getting more ROA adjusting their ROA. What's the impact on the ROA? So what are we going to do in this next area here? Well, we're going to estimate the change in earnings from different movements that you might do in your structure and different conversations you might have. So here you picture you're in an outcome meeting and someone says, well, what would it do to change our earnings if we were to drop our money market rates 10 basis points? Now, you know that your money markets are about 30% of your structure. So in your head, you quickly take the 30% of your structure times 10 basis points, and you'd realize that the cost of funds would go down three basis points as a percent of your whole size of your institution. So you'd let them know that the ROA would go up approximately three basis points. So what we'll do is we're going to walk through that same idea of taking parts of the structure and moving some of the returns, whether you're moving your dollars or you're moving your rates like we had in that example. And we'll work on some additional ways of coming up with answers to questions that you might be facing. Let's start off with another one here. And I'm the stimulus guy today because I'm going to keep focusing on that. So let's go back. You've got a bunch of stimulus money and all that stimulus money in the deposits right now, all that money sitting in your overnights. So you've got a bunch of money sitting there earning 10 basis points. So what would happen to your ROA if you were to move 2% of your structure into an investment yielding 1%? What would mm -hmm. that impact your ROA be? 
Okay, yeah, so 2% of the structure picking up that extra return by shifting the investment. That's a good one because there are a lot of places evaluating how to reach for yield. But there, number six, you had to move investment to investment. How about on number seven, we take that same situation of a lot of extra money in the overnights and you move 2% of your structure into some loans. And you say, what if we were able to increase autos earning 2.49%? Now, of course, with loans, you do have credit risk to consider. And you know that kind of your history on those with what you look at doing is about 25 basis points. And so maybe you're factoring that in. So if you move 2% of your structure from overnights into autos at 249 with about a 25 basis point provision assumption, roughly what would that do to your return on assets? All right. So stepping it up a little bit there, adding in the credit risk piece to consider. Well, let's step it up in a different way here. We've been talking in terms of percentages, which makes it easy. So percent of assets, you know that, but we don't often, many places don't just talk in terms of percentages like, oh, let's move 2% of our structure. A lot of times they talk in terms of dollars. So what we recommend is get comfortable converting dollars to a percent of your asset size. It'll make it a lot easier for you as you go through and you do this napkin math. So for the next couple of questions to help you practice that, we're going to go ahead and talk in terms of dollars. And when we do that, think that we are a $1 billion credit union, $1 billion in assets, so that when you hear the dollars and you convert it to the percentages, you do that based on being a size of $1 billion. I know that's repetitive, but I'm going to say it one more time. We're a $1 billion credit union. So on this next question then we have about 200 million dollars in cds costing two percent but the good news is that they're all scheduled to mature over the next 12 months so a year from now when they're all gone if we replace them at 100 basis points how much would that help our roa if we replace them at a rate of one percent or 100 basis points how much would that help our roa Okay, so having $200 million move from 2% to 1%. Okay, that should be helping the ROA, but it's good to know how much. Now, maybe because you have all this liquidity, you look at that and say, I don't know if we need to pay as much as 1%. So let's talk pricing strategy here and take on this question number nine, the same situation Brian was talking about of that $200 million of CDs and when those are maturing and they had been at a yield of 2%, if you replace them at 50 basis points return, so your new rates is 50 basis points, how much would that help your ROA? Now, as a side note, I want to point out here that this discussion of CD pricing is pretty important these days with how low rates are, with where things are with the liquidity, And sometimes when people talk about their pricing and have pricing discussions, they're talking about a one-month impact. Oh, if we do this, it will only help us this much more. But really stepping back and say, over the next year, consider the difference in your answer to number eight that Brian gave you of paying 1% on the CDs versus number nine that you'd be paying 50 basis points. What's going to be the difference between those two answers? That's another nice thing to consider. So let's take that idea and those examples, the ones that we've been talking about, it's taking your current asset size and shifting them to a different asset or a different deposit or changing the pricing on it. In this case, this last one is something that 
many are running into because it's about the growth side of things. We find this one to be a little bit challenging to quickly see what the answer may be, but we're going to work through it here, at least provide it for you to think about. Just like we did in the last concept, we'll call this a bonus round and step it up here. We're earning an ROA of 80 basis points. And here we go again with the stimulus, and I'm the one talking about it. But what <laughs> happens if there were another stimulus and we were to grow 10% and it all in deposits at a cost of 10 basis points? and we left the dollars in overnights earning 10 basis points. So I'm gonna say that again, you grow 10%, all of that money goes into deposits that is costing you 10 basis points. And it's also sitting in overnights on the asset side, earning 10 basis points. What would our ROA be afterwards? Yeah, that, that's a good one. And I will say a little tip to think about on that is as Brian was saying, it's changing your size. I almost think of it as two parts of an institution, the institution that's earning 80 basis points and then the size that what what would you earn if you're paying 10 and you're earning 10, you're earning zero ROA on that part. So what would that do to your total ROA for your institution? So, so you're, it's too, more, you're too kind, Rob. I'm going to jump. You're too kind. I, you're soft. I'm always yeah. accused of being just so nice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to, as you said, on the bonus round, it's nice to help think through some of those different angles. And we recognize that not everyone's going to be comfortable with those answers. And right now, at minimum, make sure you're comfortable with the direction of what happens to the earnings. Then get some practice on the magnitude of what would happen. But also, if you found that easy, let's take that number 10 that Brian gave you and add one more bonus round here. So technically, we're at number 11. You're earning that 80 basis points. You get that growth of 10%. And here, what you're doing is as you bring in those funds that you're paying 10 basis points on, you buy investments at 30 basis points. What does that mean? You're going to make a little bit of profit on that growth. Now, of course, how would this happen in a conversation? Someone in a meeting said, well, we're going to be earning more because we're paying 10 basis points and we're earning 30. What we often hear in that question is how much would our ROA increase? What we're going to encourage you to do and think through on this answer is does your ROA increase if you have an 80 basis point ROA, you're growing funds at 10 basis points, 10% of your structure is growth, that then you turn around and you put in out there at 30 basis points. What happens to that ROA? So that's the bonus round for you. All right, fun stuff. So obviously we have fun talking about this and want to point out, I know there's 11 different questions that we shared here and a lot of numbers. And for those that are in numbers or even you've had different conversations, while it may sound like there's a lot of information coming at you, that may actually happen in a conversation because you're thinking about the different growth and the impacts to ROA. And now imagine a meeting like this where these questions are coming and you can provide quick answers versus saying, you know what, I'll get back to you. And how that moves the conversation along and allows you to move into action or at least think about what actions you might take sooner. We love sharing the napkin math and talking about it because it is such a powerful tool to just quickly calculate, estimate what the direction or the impact would be in these different cases. And don't forget, this was just two concepts of a number of napkin math concepts that are out there.
Yeah, and I'll say what happens sometimes in those meetings is not only do you say, I'll let you know later, I'll look into it, but then people are like, oh, let me go run it through a model. But you still need to check to make sure that the model's getting you a reasonable answer. And that's why that high-level review, knowing what it should do and knowing roughly what it should do. Don't worry about precision here, but rather just quickly evaluating answers. As we mentioned before, Feel free to look at those videos if you weren't feeling comfortable. Also, if you go through this, you're like, okay, I could do better next time. Feel free to replay it or share it with others on your team to have them practice these concepts and see how it starts to change some of the conversations and how much faster you're able to see potentials for your organization. If there's anything else that any of us can do here to help you, to answer questions, know that we're here for you. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot.